0: Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing, one of the pastors on the Erie campus. Today we have a great show for you. Glad you're tuning in. So many of you have written in over the last week. As well as something new is happening within the podcast, you can now go to YouTube and watch the podcast. So we brought in the most handsome devil we have on staff, Mark Luby. (laughs)
1: eye candy (laughs) for the podcast. I think you have to have hair to be eye candy. So, you and I were automatically out. We were out.
0: For sure. We have Mark Luby in the booth today, as well as my good friend Thomas Milburn, who opened the biggest can of worms in Calvary history.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jay, you are not excited to do this podcast. You should be. And here's why, Jay. Why? I brought donuts. (laughs) Oh, the Lord provides. Okay, so... My my friend, John, yes. who travels often. And listens to us weekly. Yeah. I guess he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. For sure. He's yeah. left those can in the fridge those? for us, He smelled fair. those? So he oh. brought apple cider donuts. And oh. you can actually buy these at the Old Mine downtown now. You can. Did you know that? Yes, I did. For so, dessert. Can I also, give you one of these? Oh, yeah. You can definitely give me one of those. I've been
0: craving it since I brought them. But also, that's a great segue into going to com slash events because the men's retreat is happening this October and you can have these cider donuts at the men's retreat because our good friend John says he's got the donuts for us while we're up in BV so sign up today if you're a man at Calvary we would love to see you there should we podcast there we could do an episode of the weekly at the Live men's retreat podcast
2: at the men's retreat oh I love this
1: idea <laughs> wouldn't that just be like sports center essentially <laughs> <laughs>
2: Game just day, game, game day, yeah, game day. Or ESPN, you can make it happen, Jay. I can make it happen.
1: All right. Normally, this podcast is about the things that I've been eating, the things <laughs> that Jay doesn't eat. This is so good, <laughs> so good, <laughs> so, huh? It's so good. Like, that donut we, is so good. If we, you haven't had an apple cider donut from BV, you can pick them up at the old mine downtown. I would just go get one. Oh man! Or you could just spend mm. a Saturday driving to BV because BV's glorious. Gosh, so good. It's so glorious. But for sake of time yes. and for sake of conversation today, yeah. on Sunday, <laughs> on I did Sunday. something that you said I shouldn't have done.
0: No, I don't, You you can do whatever you want to on Sunday. <laughs> but <laughs> this is a tough topic. This is a really rough topic. Now, explain to those who are just getting caught up of what text we were in this Sunday and why the heck out of the whole chapter of Luke 6... <laughs> do you pick so this good. text?
1: So good. Uh, yeah. So we are in Luke chapter six. And as we've been doing at Calvary, we said, Hey, read a chapter a week, and then we're going to take an episode from the chapter and highlight it in the teaching on the weekend. And each actually campus has the liberty to choose which episode to do. So a lot of times, most of the times we're connected on which episode in the chapter we're choosing to do. This week, I think two of the three campuses were doing the same episode, mm-hmm. um, or at least around it. And for Erie, the one that I chose to do was Loving Your Enemies. Yeah. So we're in this whole series going through the Gospel of Luke, looking at what Jesus has taught, what he did. Look, We're going to look at his life, death, and resurrection and see how that shapes us as Jesus followers. Yeah. Can we just be honest? Like, One of the hardest things
0: that Calvary does is actually preach. In a book of the Bible. Yeah, because you run into these texts. (laughs) You run into these really hard things. And actually, I read the text last week and I was thinking, is he really going to go there? Or is he going to pick the calling of the disciples? (laughs) (laughs) Because that would have been easier.
1: Right, that's always your choice. It's like, okay, so I have a whole chapter I'm going to choose from. Uh, Let's choose the easy one. And then everyone, but then I always feel like everyone who's there that Sunday who read the chapter is like, well, I know which one he's not going to choose. For whatever reason in my heart, I just want to choose that text.
2: Right. Did did you know it was going to be as difficult as it was?
1: Yeah, when you picked it, you are like, did you realize where you would have to go? You
2: thought it would be maybe straightforward, then it ended up being more challenging. What was your experience there? Yeah,
1: I think prepping for it ended up opening a lot of conversations that I hadn't had recently. And then it was hard to put it all back together. (laughs) Close the lid. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh man, this is going to be... This is, this is hard. We should just go with, like, build your house on Jesus, the rock, you know. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and sing some songs. Yeah, sing some songs. But instead, we, we, we opened up the Sermon on the Mount in Luke, Luke's account of it. Oh, so you do think it's the Sermon on the Mount? Oh, I guess, Sermon on the Plain. No, no, I think that's a really good textual question. Is it the Sermon on the Mount? It could be. I think my question on those is always, like, what's it matter? And I'm sure someone who just heard me say that is like, oh, it matters. And I'm going to get an email. (laughs) But it's Jesus' teaching that Matthew records in Mm -hmm. Matthew 5. Luke puts it in Luke 6 of kingdom ethic, really. yeah. And the kingdom ethic is crazy. No matter what section you want to choose of it, it's like, whoa, that's a high bar. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when the bar is so high and we realize how we have not lived up to that... So many of us, and I'm in the same boat, just want to throw the ideal away, like lower the bar and make it more manageable. Mm-hmm. Because we, I, for me, I just recognize my own failures in my own life, the things I've done, haven't done, wish I would have done that have limited me even of living that high bar standard. Yeah. But I want to keep it high. I want to keep that. That's the goal. Okay. That's the ideal. That's where I'm aiming. That's the direction. And, and even in today's conversation, we have no desire to determine everybody's steps. Mm -hmm. I don't even think Jesus is necessarily doing that to like blanket statement. Here's the prescription. I, you know
0: what I think in that whole conversation just had, I thought we, we need to say this out loud. This is what a disciple looks like, not a prescription
1: for what you have to do today. So let's just, let's just get the right direction going. Yeah. So what's the direction of the kingdom? And I think that's kind of the conversation today. What is the direction of enemy love? What is the direction of that? That's a big question. Yeah. That's that The text we're in is, how do you love those that don't love you? Yeah. Because man. as a Christian, you're going to have a bunch of people that don't agree with you, and in the world we live in today, is, are really hostile. And so, when I was looking at this chapter and trying to determine which text to choose, I looked at the day and age in which we're in. So, this is very much like geopolitical-centric of America, right and now, choosing this text right now yep. was... How do you love people that don't agree with you? Mm -hmm. Who we would even say we would classify them as enemies. Like they're aggressive towards us. They're hostile towards us. They intend harm to to me. How do I not just repay that? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole kingdom ethic is don't just repay people in the way that they've treated you, either positively or negatively, because the world does that. Mm -hmm. That's how the world operates. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's really important that we sort of clarify this too, is like the Sermon on the Mount, which I think this is, is, It's just he was on a plane of the mount, and that's where the sermon took place. Thank you, Luke, for that definition. (laughs) But I think what it's talking about is the reality in which you and I in the 21st century, even though it was written 2,000 years ago, still has far greater implications than we would ever imagine about how to live life well. Yeah, And sometimes... When we read these texts and you summarize the kingdom ethic, we think it's so distance away. And what Jesus is actually doing is giving us something that we have to process within our own home. Mm -hmm. We have to process within our neighborhood, our own county and state and nation and world, and gives us a way in which we can move thoughtfully in the best way to make us live well. Does that make sense? Oh, I think that's a little while, I yeah. That's
1: say. part of why we want to be around Luke is Jesus says, "Go make disciples." So a disciple, is someone who follows in the patterns of their rabbi, their teacher, and he says, "Go make disciples and teach them to obey, like to to activate everything that I have taught them." Mm-hmm. And I think that's where so many Christians are like, well, I just want to think about it. Yeah, and even some of the questions that we got are are think good thinking questions, but they're hypothetical questions that you're like, well. This has to be lived out or I want in you a
0: real te- world. Yeah, I want you to tell me what to do. It's yeah. also yeah. The, sometimes these questions.
1: Just tell me what to do. Yeah, so we, we do want to activate our faith. We do want to live in the principles that, that Jesus has played out. I think one of the principles that we get from the text that we, just all, we just all have to embrace in some directional form is our response to being mistreated has to be different than the world's response when they're mistreated. No doubt. Like it's, that's just a guiding principle. And you summed it up in one story
0: that you have from Mexico.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> which people didn't like that story. I
0: love that story. Will but, you tell us the story? <laughs> I read the classical text. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So in, in the text from Luke 6, he was talking about, you know, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to them the other one, which we'll get into in a minute, is, is not a teaching on physical violence, mm-hmm. but actually on an insult. You can't, it's like a backhanded comment. So when someone insults you publicly. But one of the, the other pieces of that was if someone robs you of your cloak, right, which is your probably one of your most prized possessions, especially if you're in the lower social class, it actually is your sleeping garment as well, keeps you safe at night. Yeah. And Jesus just says, Here here's a ridiculous response. Like give them everything else, give them your tunic, which would be everything. It'd be everything. You're just basically
0: in the garments of a slave at that point. Yeah. So just
1: like be be willing to give them everything. So, hmm. the story I told was being in Mexico with Gary, and we were, you know, building houses with a group of people, and uh, the pastor there was a guy named Hector, and Hector was great. We've we've worked with Hector for lots of years, and one day when we were working, a high schooler saw somebody come to the back of Hector's truck and grab one of his saws, and then just start running, and they yelled at Hector, Hector, that guy just stole your saw, and Hector ran after him, and uh, you know, afterwards we asked him like, what, what, what happened? Cause he didn't come back with his saw. He said, well, I wanted to make sure he had the blades too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that went with the saw. And that was kind of his initial response. And then as you know, we were talking to him later, he said, you know, I, I what I, what I want to do was I pursued him. And then I told him you can't steal from me, but I give you. So I, I give you my saw. And he actually did end up giving him some additional blades. Um, and then let the man go. Yeah. The blades that he needed for that saw. Yeah. Okay, but there's a classical <laughs> Les Mis. Oh yeah, I mean people who like read English. Yeah, yeah, English English lit. Yeah. Which I think. When did you read Les Mis? I was in college. Yeah, junior year of Bible college.
2: It's also a classical movie. There's yeah. a great <laughs> there's, movie there's called it's Les Mis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's <is> a movie.
0: <laughs> but there's a scene where a prisoner steals from the priest who gave him a place to live for the night. The police bring him back to the priest. And he says, I should have given you more. I, and so you he forgot the candles. Yeah, he forgot the candles. So like he gives them more than what he justifies. And it actually brings about this
1: transformation over a long period yeah. within the main character. So what are some of the questions that came in on that? Because I think there's a resolution to it.
0: Yeah. You know, is how would you condone stealing? It feels like, it. you know, someone said, this is condoning stealing because that guy stole he needs to be properly given the right response to help him not steal again. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And says, does, does he can you just give him money and take the soul back? Can you say, Do you need me help building something? I'll go help you do that, and then you can borrow it borrow the soul as well. So what is the proper response?
1: Yeah. What, so, what did Hector do wrong? <laughs> yeah. I think one, we would say there doesn't have to be one response, right? So we're The Christian response is not like, well, this is what every Christian would do in every situation, and this is what you should do. I think one thing we're going to uncover is motives matter. Mm -hmm. And so is your motivation of of trying to ask some of these questions to kind of get you off the hook of ever having to give your possessions up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's an internal question for us. But what I think Hector does is he actually doesn't condone stealing because he goes and he chases the man down. Mm -hmm. So it would actually be totally passive Mm -hmm. if he didn't do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. It'd be like not turning the other cheek, just right. taking it on the cheek over and over and over again. But what he does is he actually goes and pursues the man. right? Mm-hmm. And then what he's doing in that conversation is he's saying, you cannot steal from me. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't condone that. I don't permit that. Right. But what I'm willing to do is give this to you. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you're going to use this, here's some other you know, accessories that you're going to need and he gives it to him. Now think of what that does for this enemy is it frees him from being... A thief. It frees them from the judgment of thief. Yeah. The so sin of thief. If you're going to love your enemy really, really well, like kingdom ethic love, that's going to erode that man's conscience. Conscience. Mm. Uh, think about how it might play out hypothetically, all these hypothetical situations. Like yeah. he's on the job somewhere else and someone says, did you steal this? Or say he's trying to go sell it to go buy groceries or maybe he's going to go buy drugs. Yeah. And he has his conscience like this is a stolen item and now I'm in the marketplace where people are seeing me. Or maybe the law enforcement actually brings him... To, to back to Hector and says, did he steal this from you? Mm-hmm. In good conscience, he can say, no, this was given to me. Mm-hmm. So someone on the job site, like, where'd you get that? You don't have any money for that. Did you steal that? Nope. This was given to me. Mm-hmm. And he's telling the truth. And so what Hector did for him was actually this beautiful enemy love of not only just giving him a saw like great, but he frees him from the guilt of being a criminal. Yeah, he and, does. And so that's, that's why it's like, We have to respond so differently than the world because there's there's far other implications than just did that person steal from me Mm -hmm. it's like wow look at look at what Hector chose to do and so once again that's not determinative of what you need to do if someone like tries to steal a tv from your house or whatever but this is directional Mm -hmm. is I'm a kingdom person in a world that doesn't love this way that's always retributive can I live into this sort of direction
2: yeah What's amazing about it too is it takes the just stealing to so much of a bigger opportunity for the gospel. Cause now it's not just, did you steal? Did you not steal? But it's actually like, I'm going to show you love that's going to surprise you. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, what is that interaction taken? It's like an interaction where you're being treated unjustly. And then you're taking that and you're saying, I'm going to use this to show love and kindness. And maybe through that God's going to work in some new way. I think that's a cool part of that story. That's you're, good. You're changing what it's even about.
0: Yeah. I would actually, I think I hadn't even thought about, you're not only taking away the sin of stealing, you're taking the sin of lying that he has to do tomorrow. Yeah. Think about and that. The, the weight of being a thief, like two days from there. It's a beautiful thing in which Hector does. Yeah. doesn't it mean we, you have to always do it that way. No, that's, I, that's the hardest part of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. there's yeah. not a black and white moment to say this is what you do when A happens.
1: But if someone who's trying to live into the kingdom, Mm -hmm. like like you're saying, Mark, is like what am I here for? Mm -hmm. Like I'm here for let's say I get eighty years. Is my is my goal in life the accumulation and the preservation and protection of my stuff? Like I don't think so. As a kingdom person, like I don't I don't know. I hope not. I hope not, right? Like my goal is to accumulate all the good stuff and then preserve and protect it from anyone taking it from me. And make sure Everyone knows that Simply Safe is guarding it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same place, the Bible totally speaks of personal property, right? Yeah. yeah. So to undermine the fact that this man is a thief would be wrong. Mm-hmm. And to be totally passive, like, it doesn't matter. People can just come in and steal. You no, know, if someone's stealing from your house, you should call the police. You know, like yeah. you should probably call law enforcement, um, which will be in the conversation probably later if, yeah. of what's the role of, of government and stuff. But so anyway, that's the story of. I think what Jesus is doing is he's, he's giving this high, high ideal where it's like, that's ridiculous. And I think he does this in other places too where it's hyperbolic almost in the sense of like, well, if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge them out. If your hands cause you to sin, cut them off. It's like, that's how, seri- like, that's how serious you should take this sin. And I think here is like, this is how serious or radical you could love. Mm-hmm. Just get us, just going in the right direction. Now, Jesus actually lives out that ideal and he's crucified on the cross. Right. So he's going to totally embody this. And as a disciple of the rabbi, that's my direction. And the
0: disciples embodied it as well, yeah, up until their death. Which is really interesting to me is that like, here's my church history slant. Like always, every week is like you've got to know actually how this happens in the church history stance of like where the implications of this teaching played out within the early church, mm-hmm. the later church, and our modern day church. So, I right, we- Guess another question. Yeah, what happens then, so there's evil in the world. We we all agree with that. How does how do Christians respond to evil that's actually bringing harm to individuals or a community or a nation? How do we sort of, what is our proper response, even though we're taught to love our enemies? How do we, like, defend the vulnerable and those, even ourselves, defend ourselves?
1: Yeah, I think. The word used defend, I think that was in a lot of the questions is, inherently, is there a place for self-defense? Yeah. Right? Or defense of another. Mm -hmm. Um, And there most certainly is. So when we go from like property to physical harm, we want to be people who are trying to, who want to restrain evil. Yeah. Who want to bring justice. And that does take some physical power. Mm -hmm. It takes strength and might. Now here's where I would try to just, a couple things. One, some of the questions that came in about turning the other cheek, this is where I think that text can get abused Yeah, totally. in a really, really bad way where um, I, I should say but misused and really abused, I guess, because I've heard people being stuck in abusive relationships mm-hmm. where a spouse and we'll just go vast statistical evidence is a husband beating a wife in which he says to her, or she even believes from her pastor that she's supposed to just turn the other cheek. One, we have to reiterate that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Yeah. So if you heard that on Sunday or you heard that before, that's not what this text is talking about. Yeah. That you are receiving physic- literal physical violence and you're supposed to just sit there and take it. Or emotional violence. Or emotional violence. Yes. Like your, your job is not total passivity. And that would be, if you just took it on the same cheek, he never told you to turn the cheek. Like mm-hmm. turning the cheek is a response to what's happening. And so there is a, a real response. So one you cannot be physically abused by your spouse. Yeah. And so if that's happening, even within the church, you should, you, you should tell someone immediately yeah. and we should inform law enforcement to bring justice. Mm-hmm. So this is not a text that teaches the reception of physical abuse. Forfe- or emotional abuse. Okay. Yeah. So from there, is there a place for self-defense then? Or and, actually, wait, wait, wait. What about yeah. people who
0: are, treat us like doormats? People that are like hurtful to us over and again, who seem to be people that hurt others
1: in yeah. emotional and social settings. All right, so a text what that we, we, to do we mentioned, I think it's helpful, is Romans 12. I was talking yeah. to, to Mark about this earlier. Romans 12? Romans 12. Okay. Uh, verse 14, Paul says, Bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse them. So that's that kingdom ethic of surprise them with your response. Like, actually have a genuine response, but it's not... You paid me evil. I give you evil. Yeah. Wow. You actually gave me evil and I'm going to surprise you with a response. So you cursed me. Now I'm going to bless you. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Now that's a ton of teaching we can unpack. I think there's a couple highlights here. One, our response is not a reaction to do what was just done to us. Two, there's a place to say, live at peace with people as much as it depends on you. Yeah. And there are some situations where it's like, I, just, I don't have the capabilities right now. Well, and so I'm going to put serious boundaries in maybe familiar relationships, family relationships, uh, friend relationships, because this person is very toxic. Yeah. And I, I am not going to let that person to be in my life. And it's the most loving thing you could do for them. It absolutely is, and we'll, I think we'll get to that in a second. It is the it is the most loving response because it restrains them mm-hmm. from causing harm to you because they're a human being too. Mm-hmm. And just think about what happens. I mean, I've worked in prison ministries. I've worked in rehabilitation ministries. Um, what's happened to that human soul mm-hmm. as they are the perpetrator of these things destroys the image of God in them. Mm-hmm. And so at, so at many times to restrain someone from the possibility of continuing to cause harm is the most loving thing because it continues to harm them too. Mm-hmm. And so like so, someone asked, like, how do you love an abuser? Well, y- you probably remove them from society yeah. in a sense is, hey, not only is this going to limit their abuse to others, but it limits their ability to continue to be a perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And It's a loving response to them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we should... Restrain them, and that's the piece of like restraining evil. And this is where that and I think in the thing of Romans twelve is really helpful for me. Is motivation is a huge component to this. And I would say this: the goal is to restrain evil, like the Christian goal. Restraining evil, bring justice, and it takes physical force to do that to restrain evil at times. And when we're trying to restrain it by using physical force, that's okay. When it moves to. Vengeance—that's mm-hmm. violence. So I would yeah. equate violence with vengeance. Is that's when you're in a category that's different. Yep. Is okay. I'm I'm willing to use physical force to restrain evil and preserve life. What I'm not willing to do is use physical violence to try to bring vengeance mm-hmm. and repay someone for what they've done. In fact, inflict more harm on them than they even inflicted on me. Um, those are two categorically different things. And I know it's a little gray in there, but using physical force to restrain evil or trying to use physical force to create violence is the vengeance piece. And God says let let the vengeance piece of this whole puzzle be left to me. Mm-hmm. And we see that he's he's the guy that does that. But use governments and
2: principalities to bring about restraint. I think I think what's helpful too is I mean Romans 12 was followed by Romans 13. Yeah. And Romans 12, I mean, ends with, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And like you're talking about, then Romans 13 talks about our submission to authorities. Um, and one of the helpful things it says in there is, you know, let every person, in verse one, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the Authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only for the sake of uh, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now, there's a lot in Romans 13, and it's talking about, I mean, it's presenting a picture of what the government should be doing, which is repaying or or bringing about justice. But I think it's helpful even to see, okay, the government has been given the sword, which I think would be a legitimation of police officer and rightly administrating justice, administering justice. It would be Uh, governments and authorities defending and it's it's very different like a nuance we're saying here is it's very different to say i'm going to take justice in my hands be a vigilante and actually to say i'm going to step away i'm not going to seek my personal vengeance but also god has given us certain blessings even in societies that aren't christian god has given a blessing in authorities and institutions which can absolutely misfire but there is also a general sense of peace That is brought about in many places in the world through that. Yeah, it's very true.
1: Yeah, I think Mark, I'm glad you brought that up because I think we we have to admit, right? So governments aren't the kingdom of God. Yeah, and yet God uses them to bring about His kingdom purposes. Yeah, He even is willing to use sinful governments to bring about kingdom kingdom principles. Yeah, which is just incredible. And we have to also admit that law enforcement, you know, pieces of justice don't work for all people the same way. No, right? Even if like in all countries the same way. So yeah. how it works in America is different than how it works in, you know, Iran. Right. And then within the people in America, like not everybody feels safe calling the police yeah. in their certain environments. So once again, this is ideal principles that we know that we're directionally aiming towards, yeah. knowing that we live in a real world. Yeah. But I think the piece to draw out of Romans 12 and 13 is there is a place to use physical strength mm-hmm. to restrain evil from happening. And so a lot of the questions that came in of like, can I stop a home invasion? Can I stop a mugger? Can I stop someone from beating their spouse or their children in public? Absolutely. Because as a kingdom person, I'm there to restrain evil and bring justice, right? Have people flourish, preserve life. And it would bring peace. And bring peace. Yeah. And we're peacemakers.
0: Yeah, that's a big thing here. Yeah. With, even in, if you think it's the Sermon of the Mount, we're not. In Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Those who strive to restrain evil, by, and bring peace, those who turn the other cheek to bring peace, those who live out the kingdom ethics always wanting to have peace.
1: Mm. So, and I think that's the piece where, like, we should be very thoughtful in how we mm. respond and yeah. catch the world off guard. I think if you responded this way, in the first century, as Jesus called his disciples to it, they'd be just, they're they're taken back. This is why many people flock to Christianity. It's like, whoa, this is not how the world operates. And so whatever situation you're really dealing with, like your real life situation, and not the hypothetical one, is how can I respond in such a way as it just catches people off guard? Like, I can't believe they would respond Mm -hmm. this strongly, this generously, this Thoughtfully, and I think we should give more time to think through some of these situations.
0: Yeah, I was going to say restraint in overreaction or reacting very quickly is such a kingdom principle of mm. prayerful consideration of the implications of an action. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be quick to temper,
1: but slow to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, how can we prepare for some of these situations? Um, I, I have some friends that you know, uh, teach. Um, firearm safety classes, CCW classes, get permits to, to people. And you, you, you've been to some of these classes that are taught really poorly. It's like, how do we use this weapon? And when you t- actually talk to really good instructors. That is part of the question. That's going to be part of the course. But they're going to be like, how do you prepare yourself not to use this weapon? Because mm-hmm. 99.9% of scenarios that you think you could use this weapon in could be resolved in some other way. Mm-hmm. And they're going to prepare you in a thousand different ways not to use your weapon to resolve the conflict. And I think that's where in our minds, it can't just be A or B like, do I shoot them or not shoot them? You're like, well, what we, are some other options? Yeah, you we, know. we love black and white. We quick, love black like, and white and these hypothetical black and whites yeah. as opposed to, well, how about your real life? Like, have you done any time in sort of like jujitsu or judo? I was talking to a dad this morning. He's like, man, my kids all do these martial arts not to inflict pain or not to inflict harm, but to, to preserve life. And it's like, these are the things that I teach my kids that are even more prepared because of some of these skills. They don't have to actually participate in this other hypothetical. Right. And so they can actually be more confident in self-defense, how to use power, how to use their body um, to help restrain evil and preserve life. Yeah. The real question is, what do you do when your neighbor takes your garbage can <laughs> on a windy day and you know it's yours? And yours and there's blue down the street. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to you. What
0: What do you do? <laughs> you know, that's the kingdom ethic of, like, yeah. how do you go about it? What do you do when your neighbor borrows the lawnmower and it breaks or he rips a part of the bag and gives it back to you without ever saying
1: that yeah. he, he did something wrong with it. And it? Like, that's, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to be the majority of our life decisions, right? right? And I think in this conversation, we always kind of want to go to the far extreme mm-hmm. of – can you kill Hitler or not? You know I mean? That's kind of where this, I think conversation ultimately goes with everybody I've ever talked to. Yes, totally. It's like, so you're, you're going to be a pacifist or whatever, so you can't kill Hitler, you know? Yeah. It's like, hold on, time out. How do you love your neighbor who stole your garbage can? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you respond to family members, people in in your church, in your neighborhood, uh, after the midterm elections in November? Yeah, how do you get from here to November? <laughs> yeah, how, how do you preserve in a relationship? a way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all cards on the table, this has been a huge journey for me because mm-hmm. my, my life is characterized by violence. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, it's kind of funny to be the last person sometimes to be the one to talk about these sorts of things. Cause I'm, I want to be the first person to respond with violence always in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, I you mean, know, I have grandparents and family members that are all serving the military and, you know, idolize them and, 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 and still have so much appreciation for my friends and neighbors that, that serve. And in my mind growing up, I was like, as a, as a teenager, like I was the, I was the, the military's recruiting dream, right? Yeah. Like the poster, like I remember there was a Marines, like billboard that I drove by one time that said, it's not our job to judge. It's our job to arrange the the meeting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, that like, that's like a 16 year old, or whatever male, like, yeah, that's speaking right to my heart. Like, let's go, let's, let's, let's go take out the bad guys. Right. And then it's like, well, who are the bad guys and how do you take them out? And is that ethical? Like I've come on this huge yeah. journey. Of trying to restrain my response, which has always been physical violence, to, okay, how do I use strength and power? Mm-hmm. Because I, my heart just beats to restrain evil and to bring justice. And what are the ways the kingdom does that? And it's different than the world. Mm-hmm. But I, I love what you're pointing out, Jay. It's like the, ma- the vast majority of those are going to be internal, mm-hmm. individual co-worker relationship. Co-worker relationship or neighbor relationship. Yeah. yeah. Though There are extreme examples and I've lived in those extreme examples yeah. of like, well, someone's life is probably going to be taken tonight. Right. Which to me has challenged another aspect of my, just my personal journey with Jesus was there has been a value shift where I now, like my greatest value in life is not the preservation of my own life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to make decisions constantly of does this keep me alive? And if if you would put a hypothetical situation in my life and said, okay, evil is going to be restrained. Justice will be brought. It's going to cost somebody their life, yours or theirs. I want to be the person that says, I'm willing to lay my life down mm-hmm. to resolve evil and bring justice. That's right. And it hasn't always been that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christians,
0: I think for me, my journey. So I grew up in Texas. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> we have Texas history three times in our... Once in elementary, once in middle school, once in high school. Wow. Um, And um, there is a Ewing, although we can't support it, but that he was a Ewing in the Alamo who died in the occupation of the Alamo in Santa Ana, which if you don't know that story, you should Google the Alamo. It's a great Texas story. But I actually had a grandfather who was a pacifist. So that's another thing too. Like pacifism is this broad category that we need to say that like, what, you just don't do anything? No, that's p- called passivity. Mm-hmm. That's what men in the 21st century are good at. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Passi- <laughs> passivism is an active response to try to come about peace without violent resolutions. Um, but anyways, he was in the military, served in World War II, um, a pacifist Christian man who decided to serve his country in this great fight. Against evil by um, building runways and buildings in the Pacific during World War II where bombs would come off and Japanese would drop bombs on them all day and raid and all that stuff without ever shooting a gun to help his country because he knew that there was a greater implication for him not doing anything with this evil, even though his conscience could not allow him to carry a gun isn't it it's like that's yeah. a crazy story, yeah. right yeah. But that's the general place where I come from. Like, have military background from Texas. I am always ready to bring about justice. You know, John Wayne is my hero. Watching Westerns is what I grew up on. That is, that is my formation. Yeah, It wasn't the, necessarily the Bible, even though I did go to church occasionally. It was John Wayne was my formation. This is what a man does. So, coming into my college years, we had 9-11. My freshman year of college, I watched it that morning, that Tuesday morning. I saw my friends in Bible college sign up, or have to come out of the reserves to restrain evil in some manner of the fact. And so it, it sent me on a journey to read about just war theory, about pacifism, about the Christians who have agreed or disagreed on both of those for the last twenty years. And my conclusion in all this, this brought up a whole implications, right, in my own formation this week and it's like gosh the kingdom is so hard to live in yet the kingdom is the right way in which i should live does that make sense and so you should do your reading you should do your reflection you should do your praying you should examine the scriptures and work out some of these implications of real world life yeah with the lord and with this community
1: all right, so I think we should touch base on just briefly what are some guiding principles of, like, serving in law enforcement military? military. I think it's totally possible. Yeah. I actually do. Yeah. Um, and I leave that with maybe the Lord corrects that over time, but I'm not there. Yeah. So one one thing that wasn't on top of my mind until you just mentioned 9-11 was, I remember being that, that young teenager in 9-11, mm-hmm. and there was a song after 9-11 that came out, and I just pulled it up, the lyrics. I won't mention who writes it, but you'll know it's a country song, so uh I talk, you know, so now this nation that I love has fallen under attack attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the fourth of July. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name on the top of his list. And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. The Eagle will fly, man. I'm going it's gonna be hell. When you hear Mother Freedom start ringing your bell, and it feels like the whole world is raining down on you, brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue, and then it goes on. the The big dog will fight when you rattle his cage, and you'll be sorry that you mess with the USA because we'll put a boot in your. Rhymes with bass. It's the American way, mm-hmm. and I'm like, as I remember, as like a teenager, I'm like, that's my song, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait a minute, that is the American way. Is you mess with us, and it's not going to be. Okay, there's going to be a strong right response. A proportional response. Which should be there. Yeah, for justice. We're going to restrain evil and bring justice. The American way, which I think I've lived into most of my life, is we are going to rain down hell Mm -hmm. until you realize how much stronger and bigger and better we are. We're going to destroy your life. Mm -hmm. I think it's like when Jesus goes into this ethic of like eye for an eye. You've heard me say eye for an eye, but I say and this is enemy love again. Because there's precedence for it, an eye for an eye. That's yeah. justice, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. But when you take my eye, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Is take your head. Yeah, And that's the American way. Mm-hmm. That's the world's way. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where like, the kingdom ethic says, okay, there absolutely is a place for power and strength to restrain evil mm-hmm. and address it and bring justice and bring liberty, set captives free. But that way has to be fundamentally different than the world. Yeah. So when we think of like law enforcement, many of the questions were law enforcement and military related. I think law enforcement itself, I know it's not; they're not always the same officers and always the same circumstances, but is in itself the essence of that—to protect and to serve. Like most certainly, you could be an officer that brings protection and service to your community, and the way that you protect and serve is you're restraining evil and harm. And they have
0: done that in my life to protect me.
1: Yeah. On. You know, now has every officer embodied that principle of the kingdom? No, no. And have we seen officers abuse that? Absolutely. I think the principle comes from just a few chapters earlier. We we're talking about John the Baptist. He says something about this when uh, a soldier comes to know yeah. the Lord. What do I do? What I'm do a soldier. Do? How do I how do I be a kingdom person? Yeah. He says, be a just just soldier. Yeah. Don't don't participate in the way that other soldiers have brought injustice, mm-hmm. abusing people yeah. by your power and strength. Yeah, and that's the
0: hardest part in this thing, especially being a soldier officer, is the restraint part, like the proportional to justice and protection and then that delicate balance of restraint.
1: Yeah, which goes which into is another, this hard. is where like all these cans get open and it's like, how do you get them all back on Sunday? You know, yeah, even yeah. this podcast isn't helpful in that sense of closing up all these conversations. But in an ideal situation, you have you have an extension of the government like you're talking about, Mark, mm-hmm. who's preserving life, protecting and then bring justice, yeah. which you know, in our world, oftentimes is punitive justice, which I don't think is biblical justice. It's like, we're going to punish them for this, as opposed to restorative, a correctional system, mm-hmm. trying to restore people back to society, right? Um, and that's a whole other conversation. But in, in its ideal sense of, yeah, this is actually how you love someone who is an offender, a perpetrator, an abuser, is you remove them, you restrain them from causing evil. And this is the way we care for their soul. Like they're another human being, and so I think that's another interesting thing that in my own life is, okay, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? It's like, well, we're all image of God people, mm-hmm. and we've been bent and distorted in so many ways. How do you love someone who's bent and distorted this way to try to care for their soul? Because that's a human. Yeah, that is a human being. So in the military, what do you think about serving the military? Yeah, please do. If that is what you feel
0: like the Lord has put on your heart, that's in your formation, you should go do it. But you have to know there's some implications for you, and that is to be just and to walk humbly, love mercy, right? Mm-hmm. And walk with your God while you do that. And there's a major implication for us to celebrate and to honor those who protect us and serve us in so many ways. So many have you know, served us in this country to establish democracy, to keep democracy that we're thankful for. We're so thankful for these sacrifices. And it's just to know that, like, in the kingdom of God, the implication for any job is that, though, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to bring justice if you're an engineer. Like, you shouldn't be in a corrupt engineer build. You shouldn't work on corrupt projects. You should think about what are the implications of what I do and how does it affect society and the human beings in which it interacts with.
2: I I think even just thinking in those ways of how do you live justly, like it's a question of where's your ultimate allegiance, Mm -hmm. even always remembering that of if you're an engineer and they're asking you to do something that you know is violating God's commands clearly, then you actually do have a higher law, a higher Mm -hmm. ground which you submit to. And that's where we look at a passage like Romans 13. We don't say, well, the government can do whatever it wants and therefore... Um, they have the sword and they can inflict justice.
0: That's not what he's saying either.
2: Yeah, and it's like it's not an unbridled, you know, go ahead and obey your abusive government, your abusive spouse, your abusive, you know, if they're causing you to sin, that then you can't. And that's where I think even just thinking in terms of allegiance of, yeah, I'm, I'm going to serve God faithfully in this role, but my ultimate identity, my ultimate purpose, and my ultimate marching orders are not from this human institution. And I think that's where the kingdom of God supersedes. You know, it's allowed, it's, it exists in the midst of us all, but it supersedes anything that's given to us as an order. Yeah.
0: Christians are always protect those who are innocent against unjust aggressors. And we do that in being nurses and doctors. We do that being teachers. We do yeah. that being law enforcement. We do that being engineers whatever you are doing, that's one of your goals as a Christian. Yeah. Well, that's a loving response, right? Right. I mean, right.
1: Loving, love is not passive. Mm -hmm. Like love has a response. Even when, when Paul unpacks like, what is love? Right. Part of that love is it never, it does not rejoice in evil Mm -hmm. and rejoices in truth. Now I know when as the Christian, we stand up, we say we rejoice in truth. Like what is true about how God made us? That's going to create some animosity with people. Right. Because they don't like that. But that's, that's going to be love, right? Is how do we not rejoice in evil? Mm -hmm. And how do we rejoice in the truth? That's an act of love. And so it's way more, I think it's actually more interesting. Yeah. It's It's way 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 more interesting to think about, okay, now I've been offended. How do I respond as a kingdom person? And the fact that someone like we're even having this conversation today is so good because it means you're thoughtful in your response. And I think that's the first step is be thoughtful in your response. Why are you going to do this? Why are you willing to do this? Why are you making decisions in your life? The kingdom person should have the thoughts of Jesus in their mind that should inform how we live today. Mm -hmm. And not just, well, this is my stuff. This is my life. This is my freedom. Whatever. It's like, yeah. But then you're also a kingdom person who belongs to Christ. And as Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, Mm -hmm. but Christ who lives me, lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith for him, Mm -hmm. for him. That's the direction of my life. And so how does that all get played out? This probably didn't give a bunch of those answers, but I think the guiding principles are we're not called to be passive. Mm -hmm. There's a place to use power and strength to restrain evil Mm -hmm. and bring justice, especially for the innocent and the vulnerable. And there's a way to act justly, live justly in different spheres, especially around law enforcement and in the military. Yeah. Totally. Those are really good categories.
0: And you as a Christian should take the onerous of reading, praying, and thinking about these things before those implications ever arrive at your doorstep. Yeah. Because they will arrive at your doorstep. And you'll need to be prepared in season and out of season for the hope that you have.
1: All right, fellas. Thanks for hanging out. If you have more questions, we would love to get them. Um, this, we're not saying that these are all complete, perfect answers. We're on the journey with you. You can always write us at theweekly@calvarybible.com. We
0: love to hear from you. Also, thanks those for watching us on YouTube. You can leave a comment below, a question there for us. We would love to pick them up from you. Do we do comments on YouTube or do we limit that? The Canadian in the room says, yes, we do. We're thankful for Mark Wicks recording us today on the podcast and listening to a bunch of Americans.
1: You, you, you just broke the rule. Of you can't use first and last names. In this podcast, we can
0: <laughs> if you're in the room.
1: <laughs> Jay, have another donut, man. Yeah, oh, man. Okay. Hey,
0: thanks for watching us. Thanks for listening. We love you. We hope that you're getting connected. Always go to CalvaryBible.com. We will see you at men's retreat. And Saturday morning a men's retreat. You will be enjoying a donut just Take like good. we are now. They're good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Jay.